Well, hey, good morning, River City. It is good to be with you. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. Uh, thankful to get to worship God with you together this morning and looking forward to diving into God's Word together with you. Uh, last week, we started a new series taking a look at the Gospel of John, specifically looking at um, what are known as Jesus' I Am statements in the Gospel of John. And we began our study last week in John chapter 8, where we saw Jesus confronting a group of religious leaders. And, and what he was doing, he wasn't trying to make them angry, he was trying to help them see, he was trying to help them understand um, the reality that they were, they were spiritually blind, even though they thought they knew what they needed to know and that everything was good with them and God, they were, they were actually spiritually blind and slaves to sin. But more than that, what he was trying to help them see is that he alone could rescue them. He alone could set them free from that slavery because unlike their spiritual forefather Abraham, who they relied on, uh, who, was, who was merely a representative of God, Jesus is God himself. We saw last week in verse 58, Jesus declared to them, he said, uh, before Abraham was, I am. And it wasn't a grammatical mistake. That wasn't a, uh, you're not thinking, Jesus, it's I was. That, that's how it should be. No, it, it wasn't a translation error. It wasn't a grammatical mistake. No, instead, it was an unmistakable declaration of Jesus' identity. He was declaring himself to be God. You see, he was declaring that he was the same God who had revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush as the great I am. He was the same God who had commissioned Moses to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt. And that same God had now come in person to rescue all people from the greater slavery to Satan and sin and death. And so... Jesus was declaring himself to be God. And what we see as we look at each of these other I am statements in the Gospel of John, what we see is that Jesus is used, he's connecting that phrase, that I am, to a metaphor that helps us to get a clearer picture of what God is like, of who Jesus is, of, of what it is, and of what he came to do. And in seeing that, we also what happens is we get a clearer picture of the kind of rescuer that Jesus is and the kind of rescue that he brings, the kind of freedom that he has come to bring. And like I said last week as we began our study, my prayer has been that, that as we study these I am statements that Jesus uses to describe himself, that, that we wouldn't just come to know him more clearly, but that we'd come to love him and worship him and obey him more fully because we're responding by faith to the revelation that he's giving us about who he really is and, and all that he has done for us. And, and so to that end this morning, let's pray. and We'll dive into our passage, the first of the seven I am statements this morning. Jesus, we are grateful for you. We are thankful that you uh, have given us your word so that we might know you, that we might uh, hear you, that, me, that we might um, love you in response to it. And so, God, we just humbly ask that you'd be gracious to meet us in your word this morning. Uh, we really need you. We need you to help us to understand it rightly. But even more than that, Jesus, we need you to enable us by your spirit to respond rightly to it. Help us to see you for who you really are this morning. And help us by your spirit to respond rightly to that so that we might find life in you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus is going to be, what we're going to see is that Jesus is talking to this huge crowd of people who have come searching for him because the day before, Jesus had just fed them by miraculously multiplying a little kid's lunch. 
And they were stoked. I mean, they were real excited about that. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? Free food is free fruit is is hard not to be excited about. But the problem is is that they had missed the sermon that Jesus's miracle was preaching to them. You see, they had they had missed the more important thing that that miraculous meal was was trying to teach them, was trying to show them, was trying to say about who Jesus was and and what he had come to do. And so in our passage this morning, Jesus lays it out for them. John chapter 6, uh, verses 25 through 35, it reads this way. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, What must we do? What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him, What sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What what will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, in verse 26, Jesus tells this crowd that's come searching for him that, that they're looking for him for the wrong reasons. They're not concerned about what that miraculous meal was saying about who Jesus was. They, they've not come looking for him because they're hungry to hear more of his teaching, to hear more from, his, from what he has to say. They're, they're just hungry for breakfast. And, and they want some more free food. They're, they're not after him. They're after his benefits. They're after his blessings. And I think it can be easy for us to kind of look at this crowd and kind of judge them. But the truth is, is that we relate to the God like that more often than we'd like to admit. We want God's blessings. We want his favor. We want him to make our lives easier or better or more fulfilling or to take away our problems. But often the reality is that we don't want him. Just think about the things that you often find yourself praying about the most. Are your prayers characterized by asking God for to help him to keep revealing more and more of himself to you? Are you longing to love him more and help and to know him more? Or are your prayers more and more characterized by a, by a desire or a quest for his blessing or his intervention? Now, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not wrong to ask God for things. It's not wrong to ask him to intercede and intervene in your life and situations. But, but oftentimes what happens, I think, is our prayers reveal that, that we want God's stuff. We want his blessings. We want his benefits more than, more than we want him. And to, to them and to us, Jesus says, he says, you're after the wrong thing. Verse 27, he tells this crowd, Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You see, this crowd, they're, they're after food that spoils, physical food that only lasts for a little while, only fills up for a little while. But Jesus says he has something, something to offer that doesn't just temporarily sustain physical life. 
but instead it parts an eternal kind of life. And that word Jesus uses for life there, it's, it's really important. And I don't normally talk about original languages because the truth is our translations are really good. And the vast majority of the time, you just, you just don't need it. You just don't need to know about it. But there's something I think that's really helpful here in, in seeing what Jesus is really driving at. You see, uh, in Greek, there's two different words, or there's at least two different words for, for life. And one of the Greek words for life is the, is the word bios. And that's the word that kind of refers to like physical life, material life. It's, it's like about existence. And the other Greek word for life is zoe. And, and that's the one that Jesus is, uses here. Zoe isn't, isn't referring to physical life. It's, 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 it's referring to the idea of like a quality of life. About, it's referring to the essence of life, the fullness of it, the abundance of it, the a joyfulness of it. It's not merely about existence. And in telling the crowd here that they, that they really shouldn't be after uh, the kind of food that leads to bias, like, but the, the food that leads to zoe life, real life, not just existence, Jesus isn't saying that, that actual food doesn't matter. Uh, he, he's not saying you don't need it. He's not saying uh, in the end later that you won't physically get hungry. He's saying instead that there's something that you need even more than physical food. There's, in other words, that you have a hunger that transcends your physical hunger. You have a, a thirst that transcends your physical thirst. And I think we all sense that in some way. And the, the problem is, is that we're always trying to fill that, our zoe, our, that kind of life, that our zoe stomachs with bios kinds of food. We're looking for meaning and purpose and fulfillment and fullness. And, and we try to find that in people and in relationships and things and in status and in source as we often talk about of power and comfort and approval and control and the reality is, is that what's happening is that we're trying to, we're, we're looking for a, that Zoe kind of life, that full kind of life, but we're looking for it in things that can never give it, things that will always leave us wanting, things that lack. In his uh, famous book, uh, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, he kind of put it this way. He says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. He goes on to say, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing, so that I must take care to never mistake them. For the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. You see, that's what Jesus is getting at when, in verses 32 and 33, when he's talking about manna. He's, he's referring, that man is referring to uh, how God miraculously had provided food for his people in the desert every morning for 40 years while they were wandering in the desert after escaping Egypt. And, and he's saying, he's saying that Moses didn't provide that food, that miraculous food for you. God did, but He's the giver of, of that bios kind of bread which sustained your lives physically, but, but also, and more importantly, he's the giver of a different kind of bread, a more important kind of bread, a, a kind of bread that, that that manna was always pointing to, a zoe kind of bread. See, the crowd doesn't, they still don't get it. They, they, they say to Jesus, give us this bread. Always give it to us. We're in. We, we're in. In verse 25, Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. I'm the food that fills up the, the zoe need in your stomach. 
Whoever comes to me won't get hungry, he says. Whoever believes in me won't be thirsty. He, he's saying, he's saying that, the, that he is the one thing that, that, that you long for, that when you get it, it really satisfies. He's the, he's the one well that never runs dry. See, we're all looking to, for something to satisfy the longings in our heart. And Jesus says he's the one thing that satisfies. And I want to encourage you this morning, be honest with yourself. What's the, what are the things that you are looking to, to fulfill and satisfy and give life? I want to encourage you, be honest. When you, when you think about that stuff, it's, it's not really working, is it? it? It runs out and you find you need something else, or you need more of it, or, or you turn to the next thing because it, it never lasts. It's, it all, it, you realize that it, that, it, that it is or will be a, a well that just runs dry. And Jesus is saying to these people, not just that, that he has what they need. More importantly, he's helping them to see that he is what they need. John Piper writes it this way. He says, Jesus did not come into the world mainly to give bread, but to be bread. He didn't come to be an ever-ready bellhop for our bellies, but to be the all-satisfying bread for our souls. You see, Jesus, it's so important you see this this morning. When Jesus claims to be the bread of life when he says when he says that when he when he what he's claiming he's he's not offering himself as a better way of getting the things we want he's offering himself as the fulfillment of the deepest desires of our hearts you see in, in our hearts longing for power what we're really longing for is the kind of recognition and influence and victory that only the sovereign god of the universe can give to us that that only jesus can give in our insatiable need for control over our own lives what we're really longing for is the kind of safety and security that only an owl pop an all-powerful god can provide and in our endless pursuit of comfort and freedom, what we're really longing for is the kind of rest and peace that only God can offer us. And in our insatiable need for approval, what we're really longing for is the kind of unconditional acceptance and love that only Jesus can give. Jesus, he's telling us this morning and claiming to be the bread of life. Jesus is saying, I am what you are looking for. I have it. I am it. I, I am the thing you are longing for. And the question is this morning, is will we have him? See, some of us have spent our whole lives, uh, maybe you spent your whole life looking to the next someone or something to truly fulfill and satisfy that insatiable hunger in your soul. And what you keep finding is that the more you get the thing you thought would satisfy, the thing you wanted, the, the less and less satisfying it is. It's, it's, filling, uh, it's, it's not filling you up like you thought it would. See, because what Jesus is saying is what you're looking for and all that stuff is really, it's really him. And you can't find it anywhere else besides him. You see, and with God's gracious and patient love, he's pursuing you this morning. He's, he's waking you up to the reality that he is the thing you are looking for, that you will never find the life and fulfillment and joy and satisfaction that you are longing for outside of him. And the question again this morning Will you have him? Or as C.S. Lewis again writes, will you go on making mud pies in the slums because you cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at sea? He goes on to say, we're far too easily pleased. You see, power, control, comfort, approval, people, possessions, 
positions. They can never satisfy. Even the best of those things, they, they're just a shadow of the true thing that our heart really is meant to crave. The one thing that fulfills, the one thing that satisfies is Jesus himself. And the question is, will we have him? You see, but others of us are here this morning and, and we know that Jesus offers the life we're looking for. We've, we've, we've tasted and seen that he is good, like he says. We know that he's the one thing that satisfies, but the reality is we find ourselves hungering and thirsting after all kinds of other stuff. We all do this. We're, we're forgetful people. And Jesus this morning, I think, is graciously and lovingly calling us back to himself. He's reminding us through his word that he's what we're longing for. He's reminding us that he's the thing that satisfies, that, that he's the one thing that works. And he's calling us to return to him so that we might really find life. He's not beating us over the head with his offer to be the bread of life. He's graciously calling us to come sit and eat, to be with him, to, to, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied in him. You see, he offers life that lasts, that never runs out, that never runs dry, that never runs dry. And again, the question he's laying before us at our feet is, will we choose to be satisfied in him? Will we choose to be satisfied in him? Not just one day, but every day. And so to that end, church, let's pray. Jesus, we come to you this morning and we just confess that, that so often we look to other things to satisfy and give life. Jesus, we try to fill the, the, the zoe kind of need in our stomach with bios kinds of life, and Jesus, it never works. God, thank you that you came. You came in the person of Jesus so that we might, that we might see and taste the bread of life, that we, might, that we might see, that we might experience the, the kind of life you really offer us. God, and I'm grateful as well that you don't offer yourself to us as a better way of getting what we want, but you offer yourself to us as the end. You're not a means, Jesus. You are the end. You are the thing. You are the one our souls are craving for. God, when we find you, our souls find rest. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would help us, empower us as a church to be satisfied in you. God, if, if anything, I feel like this quarantine season has often helped us to see the things we're looking to, the things that we're kept from that, that really can never give us life. But Jesus, help us to come. Help us to see in our longings for those things that won't satisfy. Help us to turn to you, the one thing that, that really fulfills. Jesus, help us to be a people who, who eat you, who, who come to you as the bread of life, and so that we might be able to offer you as the bread of life to others the one thing that satisfies and fulfills, the one thing that gives life. Jesus, we need you. Amen.